there's definitely a lot of overlap between, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of the reasons why you feel anxious or depressed in your life, right? Is is I think tied to not you specifically, but like anyone, myself included. But like, uh, it, it's tied to the same reasons why you know we enforce these these crazy expectations on these kids because we live in a society that it just doesn't work for most people, you know. So. Yeah, it doesn't meet our needs. Yeah, it doesn't meet exactly. our needs. Right. Yep. Crazy that, like, you know, we accept people working, like, these shifts where I talk to people, where it's like, oh, yeah, I get four hours of sleep a day. Those are the same people that are like, yeah, I, I love it. Hashtag. Uh, <laughs> yeah, productivity. Rise and grind and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. To be honest, I, I was like an ABA zealot when I first started. You know what I mean? I was like, this is it. Like, this is great. And then over time, I, like... <laughs> like I don't know, maybe it probably has something to do with like also my my worldview changing over time as well. But there's definitely a lot of issues with it, and there, I think there's definitely a lot of improvements that could be made. Well, like one of the kind of you know the most unfortunate I think aspect is also like you know when adults are getting diagnosed for the first time as adults, you know, and there's mm-hmm. very little out there for them in terms of therapy. Yeah, it's pretty much close to nothing, I think. So it's one of those things where a lot of, you know, therapists, it is somewhat outside of their scope of practice in certain ways, but that also like not understanding some of the basics about autism and some of the the basic experiences that people have gone through can really hinder, I think, a lot of people's access to like good treatment and good therapy as adults. Oh, for sure. I mean, even just getting access to healthcare, you have to have a job. So, like, right, right. Yeah. You, you can get Medicaid in some states, but again, that's also still very limited. And mm. yeah, and it's also one of those things where, you know, I know a lot of adults that were just like, oh my God, like, you know, I have so many like deficits in, in, in certain skill sets. Right. Because I never got, you know, autism was not a diagnosis when I was growing up. And and I realize now that I'm getting diagnosed that I have actual like skill set deficits in terms of, say, like whether it's personal hygiene or executive function or, you know, kind of like maintaining uh, a consistent home cleanliness, things like, like that, that it that would actually be an area where people could get through occupational therapy, but that's kind of outside of like hospitals and and schools, adults being able to get like any occupational therapy aside from injury, physical injury is extremely expensive because there's a lot of um, overlap in some ways of autism and ADHD. It's a a somewhat commonly co-occurring disorder. So I've I've read a lot into both. And I think, you know, especially when when children present with both, right, that that can compound a lot of issues. What we really don't have in our society is comprehensive care. We have compartmentalized care. Yeah. And I'll uh, even... Speaking from personal experience on that, you know, because because we do work with um, occupational therapists and speech uh, speech language pathologists and everything like that to to try and be more um, comprehensive. But I've met I've met other therapists in other uh, fields that are just straight up like, listen, like you do your ABA thing. I'm gonna like I don't believe in that. I don't see the value in that. It's and, and 
you know, so like even within the field or I guess within, yeah, within the field of like helping people therapy, like ABA does get, and I mean, I guess like for good reason, does get that sort of like, <laughs> yeah, you're doing a bad thing, you know? So and it does make it difficult to to sort of like work with other um, professions and therapies and stuff like that. But presumably ABA sort of even exists because I don't know, someone was decided to back it as a thing. The fact that insurance companies see it as something legitimate, is that just purely based off sort of metrics and expediency? Yes. <laughs> I mean, same with like, you know, it's one of those things where like, you know, CBT is is covered by a lot of insurance, right? And while I think it has it, it has scopes where it, is effective, especially if you have a decent um, practitioner of it. Where again, like one of the issues I think with care in general is that it's becoming kind of like an, a flow chart of, you know, if you have this, this, these are the things that you get access to. And people don't work that way. Care has to be individualized. Mm -hmm. We're actually going more and more and more the opposite direction. We're like, you know, I mean, so much of say, like, go to a doctor and you get diagnosed for a condition, right? Like the medication that you have access to has nothing to do with whether like you and your doctor think that's the medication that is best for your particular situation. You get the medication that your insurance is willing to pay for. Yep. Or the procedures or the hours or whatever. Or the hours or everything else, right? Mm. And so it's one of those things where, yeah, like a lot of times autism is a condition that has, again, this wide range, right? And a lot of times insurance companies don't really give enough consideration to, say, like child A, between child A and B, like they have completely different presentations that have very different that need different things to address but it's like you have this one condition and so this is what you get i mean like the the medical and mental health care model is not like again addressing needs of people it, it is this is all you're going to get shut up or take it yeah or get nothing right so one aspect of dealing with you know a lot of the more complicated disorders, ADHD, autism, you know, a lot of mental health disorders are not just, oh, like this is the one treatment that you need, right? And that's it. it. It needs to address oftentimes family living situation, your ability to uh, sustain yourself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's what I mean by wraparound care. With with the homeless population, you know, there, there is a huge segment of the homeless population where they Literally, all they need is a stable housing. Yep. But there is also a, a percentage of the population that needs hell of a lot more than that. They need like very, very individualized and personalized levels of, of various care. Absolutely. And as a society, especially in this, the year of our Lord, 2022, I mean, like this is stuff that we should be doing, right? And And not to make money or, or to make profits just because they're human beings and they, they have needs just like you and I, like, and as a society, yeah, I just, I, I it's frustrating to, to see that like so many people fall through the cracks just because there just, just is no compassion, you know, to, 
not no compassion, but there, you know, just everything you have to prove that you're worth it. It's just right. very frustrating. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those, you know, one of the more often <laughs> depressing comments that I'll, I'll encounter on social media is often like this conversation about like people not like, you know, because one of the things, especially when, when issues like criminality comes into place. Mm-hmm. then there is this sense of like, oh, like it doesn't matter if you have a mental health disorder. It doesn't matter if you have all these issues, right? You know, you don't deserve care. Right. You know, and that kind of keeps reinforcing like the 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 idea that like care is only for the deserving. Mm-hmm. You know, and we need to have a society where, you know, I mean, that's part of the main reason drivers for the ideological drivers for, you know, this complete acceptance of prison basically being like torture chambers for people. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there is this very strong sense in society that compassion should like morally be reserved. Yeah, no, that's a great point for sure. For, for, you know, deserving. And ultimately, we have a society that demonizes people in need. Yes. And, and that's kind of what the major issue is with issues in like mental health, in you know, cognitive disorders, you know, neurodevelopmental disorders, um, et cetera, et cetera et cetera, is fundamentally, yeah, like, you know, whether you have a drug addiction, um, if you are in need, you are unwanted. That, that, that is the basic message that we have in society. And that's often why a lot of the quote unquote caring professions, right, whether it's medicine, whether it's mental health, whether it's education, is ultimately has this huge element of harm right and has this huge element of of kind of you know creating ptsd in people <laughs> and and actively harming them you know and a lot of times people go into these fields with really good intentions without really kind of being disentangling their approach to all these messages that they've received from society because therapy there's a lot of fucking terrible therapists out there <laughs> There is. There there is, right? Well, because it's one of those things where like the society creates a lot of people that have these really terrible fundamental baselines that they haven't really engaged with and grappled with. Yeah. How do you mean baseline? Oh, like the the baseline of, you know, if you are in need, you are unwanted. If you are in right. need, my job is to I know how to fix you. Right. Jordan is, Peterson yeah. has entered the chat. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that is kind of the approach in all the caretaking sectors is that it's a very top down, like, we know what's good for you. We know how to fix you rather than yes. let's address your needs. Right. Yep. Let's let's, you know, center your desires, you know, or at least even just like engage with. And and have like a cooperative experience. Yeah. Right. You know, because that's one of the the major issues that, you know, we see everywhere is yeah. ultimately like, you know, your workplace. There is absolutely no cooperation, right? This is not yep. just 
you know, this is a society wide at every sector of, again, like it's about compliance rather than developing skills, because that's the major difference that I think, you know, the one person that I met that had the positive ABA experience with her therapist was that she felt that she learned skills that were like tuned to her strength. Or for example, like the the toothpaste, the the kid brushing his teeth, right? I mean, that that technically is compliance, right? But right. Yeah. But it, but you're doing it, at least I tried to approach it with like a humane thing where it was like, as opposed to being like, you're going to brush your teeth right now. And we're going to, yeah. And you know, you're going to do it perfectly the first time. And if you don't, then you're going to lose whatever. You know what I mean? Your token. You're not going to get your token. Exactly right. Exactly right. Right. I mean, and, you know, and to a certain degree, I like do certain skill development have an element of, of a little bit of coercion, right? I think so. You cannot live in a society without giving up. I don't like to, you know, in, if we lived in a humane society, it would be a compromising society, not a coercive society, right? Sure. Because compromising is cooperative. Yeah, totally. Again, though, there are limits to to either way, right? I mean, like, right. you can't be running around punching people in the face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So there's definitely like societal norms and stuff. Right. Um, That is the process of socialization, isn't it? It's ultimately that you have to back off being the quirky individual you are. (laughs) You know, that there's always that element of like, well, you know, if you want to get on with other people, there's an element of um, a give and take with this sort of stuff. Push and pull. Again, do you play well with others? That's the sort of fun metric. (laughs) <laughs> I use I, I, you can see sort of the same um, like ideas like in professionalism right like what is considered like the the whole idea of like professionalism is basically just like a sort of like a conformity aspect and of course I'm not saying like you should be you know walking around making inappropriate jokes or, or like yeah you know what I mean like stuff like that but to speak to your point of like oh this guy's like a little quirky or like I don't know like says something funny in an email or something. I don't know. Like, but not like inappropriate, just like, just different. You know what I mean? Just different. Yeah. Um, right. There was a, I, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but there was, I think it's in one of Malcolm Gladwell's books where he talks about someone being a used car salesman and that he went undercover to write some report thing. And he was sort of joking why everyone dressed the same and wore their hair in the same way styled it in the same way and after a couple of weeks being there undercover he started dressing like them and styling his hair like them and so it's just like that's what happens if you hang out with a bunch of people you start like you know just behaving like everyone else because that's that's the sort of water you're swimming in mm-hmm. um so so yeah that's what i guess you know professionalism is it's what like your school friends uh, were or are it's you just you f- you fit in and you feel that fitting in as a pressure and i think that's probably a big yep. part of the thing that's really upsetting or isolating about standing out and not fitting in or not being able to read people in in that particular way or they're not being accommodations for uh for for people on the spectrum that mm-hmm. it's it's interesting you talking about um equal you mentioned uh, that quite a lot of people on the autism 
spectrum end up you have ended up in in you've sent you've uh, spoken to them or, or met them in in the homeless uh, situation yeah. and that, and that is a direct link to feeling isolated not being able to connect with other people yeah no and and also not 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 being employable in in the modern job market right not yeah. fitting in right yeah but those attitudes permeate throughout all of society um and just another like quick story um i was working i with an individual he was a teenager but he had the you know uh mental capacity of like a two-year-old basically mm -hmm. um and you know this individual was never will never be productive it's just like he will always he will always need right mm -hmm. right um yeah right. his needs um, will remain that of a toddler exactly right yeah and so uh i would you know i would take him to playgrounds and stuff like that um and we were on the train once and He's very clearly, you know what I mean? He, he's he's he, one of the happiest kids I've ever worked with. Um, he just loved everything. And so he's always smiling, always laughing, non-contextually and everything like that. You know what I mean? Which uh, it's very obvious that he was on the spectrum. And I had a guy come up to me and say, like, uh, why don't you just put him in a home and like forget about him? I'm like, Jesus, Dude, what the... <laughs> like, first off, who are you? Mind your own business, all right? And second off, like... That is such a horrible way to like to think of another human being. Like this kid just wants to be a kid. He's, he's you know, he's, he loves water. He loves toys. Like I don't know. It's just it's like so frustrating to like. And then and then me, you know, I have to come in and be and and try and find the balance between that assimilation factor into society that doesn't care about them, but also just trying to like make sure that their individual needs are being met. You know, just like, are they happy, healthy, and safe kind of thing? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like an impossible Rubik's Cube to solve, isn't it? Under the current yep. shape of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I remember reading something ages ago talking about how when a culture embraces the the disabled community, it's not just that like a small you have to make accommodations for a small group of people is that everyone benefits from it mm -hmm. and they were giving various yep. examples of just stuff like um <clears throat> i think it was like you know uh, pedestrian crossings with the, yes. the lights and the sounds and all that sort of stuff right. yes. and that, how that that was instigated because of various disabilities and actually it benefited everyone mm -hmm. they just they used that as an example i can't remember where that article is but I was just, yeah, it, this is like another like prime case of how having a whole system geared towards productivity and profit is just so detrimental, uh, detrimental because the focus, and this is, I, you know, something that I guess anarchists and communists have been saying forever is mm. that it's about what people need. Uh, yep. <laughs> we should focus on needs and wants opposed to. Uh, this sort of just the profit being the ultimate thing, the only reason we're all here yes. or the only reason to be alive or to continue. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm heavily influenced by those concepts. I don't know if that was apparent, but like, yeah. Like I said, 
uh, and to speak to your to pedestrian crossing, I'm at a point where I'm like, like we we shouldn't even we shouldn't even have cars <laughs> really. I mean, there's such an inefficient way to move people. And I know this is like completely off topic and everything, but like if we lived in a society without individualized motor vehicles, I mean, imagine the possibilities unlocked for, for not, not just, you know, typical learners, but also the, uh, you know, the people, uh, people on the spectrum, you know, that right now, like a lot of these, a lot of these guys and, and, and women and are just like locked up in houses you know, right, yeah. they have, they're completely car dependent. They have no yeah. community independence because you take one wrong step, you're dead. A car hits you, you're dead. You know what I mean? Like, right. Right. So I mean, right. yeah, I had, I had a, I, I'm, I'm, my client was never diagnosed. I suspect he may be on um, the spectrum, but he got his license permanently revoked because he would just end up focusing on something else while he was driving constantly mm -hmm. that he kept getting into like pretty serious accidents. So he only had his yeah. license for like a year, I think before it was revoked. And he's yep. like, yeah, I'm, I'm, it, it's shocking that I'm still alive because these were pretty serious accidents. And sure. Yeah, I didn't, I obviously, you know, I didn't ask, but I was like, Oh, I, I hope, you know, I'm glad you're you're okay. I hope you didn't severely injure other people in the process. Um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, the main thing is I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's kind of like you know certain things like the pandemic are kind of like you know circular uh, snowballs of kind of like negative things, right? Because things like the pandemic are what drives lo a lot less public like yeah transportation and and i could talk your ear off about this this is something i'm like very passionate about but like um yeah just like when you live in a completely car dependent area you know what i mean and you are a person that physically can't operate a motor vehicle you have like close to zero alternative options and again that's just a, the, another way that like our society was structured right cars exist to be sold they they exist to to consume gasoline. You know what I mean? Like that's right. the only reason why they exist. You, you look at other countries that are moving people way more efficiently. Um, yeah, and and people have equal access to public transportation. It, it would just unlock so many doors for for these for these learners. Honestly. Oh, so, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it all it all ties into it. Yeah, you're locked in yourself because of the sort of social skills aspect or the social stigma and then you're actually locked into a property because you can't yep. sort of physically go anywhere um right and you, and you don't even distance. get opportunities to socialize yeah 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 this yeah l on the on the discord has spoken many times about wanting to do a podcast around urban design and um there were some people i did email but they haven't email back so i'll have to find other guests to talk about it but yeah how the sort of built environment you're in affects you know your quality of life your mental health etc is yes a, is a absolutely. topic that needs to be talked about as well yeah yep. having yeah, access I mean, to united, leisure yeah united states is especially egregious i think in in, in this way 
you know, yep. other countries do it a little bit better. Like when I'm in Japan, I never, I, I mean, I, I don't drive in Japan because the opposite, you know, thing freaks me out. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, you know, so I've never driven there, but you know, I, I don't miss it because the public transportation there, you know, outside of rural areas, rural areas, I think everywhere, you know, people become car dependent by the nature of of the rural area right but there's also nothing to do (laughs) oh Um, right you should um if you're interested in in that sorry to cut you off so sorry no 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 go ahead um but there um you should look up the um public transportation the train specifically or maybe already know um in switzerland because they have they have train stops that go out to these remote little towns oh, and everything they, they do they do in japan yeah. too they do in japan it's just like you know like if you live in the rural area in japan you probably if you might have to walk along right? yes or you might have to drive to the train station mm-hmm. but you do have a train station that will take you places it's yeah. just moving around in your town mm-hmm. right that there isn't like multiple train stations in like a village of 200 people. There is just right. one that takes you out to the next bigger city. See, I was misled, town. right? I was misled because I played a game called Mystical Ninja of uh, Gomon, Mystical Ninja of oh, whatever yeah. it was. It's all based in Japan. In that, if to go between different towns and villages, you rode on the back of a blue dragon. So I just assume oh. that that's how <laughs> it works in Japan. So, yeah, so, uh, everyone just, we, yeah. we, we get a we get assigned a dragon. This is your transportation dragon. <laughs> Could you imagine? I am very disappointed to hear that reality is nothing like that video game. <laughs> Could you imagine yeah. a used dragon salesman? <laughs> These jaded dragons <laughs> as well. Just like I was yeah. disowned. Yeah, I mean, most countries, most European countries, I think, like, you know, Japan, you do have a train stop in a lot of rural areas. Yes. You know, it's just getting out, get, like, doing your daily tasks within the town that yeah. still often necessitates the car you know, in, in rural areas, but yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's one of those things. I, I live in a pretty, you know, rural area. Um, I'm like, not quite, I'm a little past the suburbs, but yeah, it's one of those things where, yeah, I would love to not have to drive to San Diego or drive to LA. Yeah. Driving is horrible. Driving is like the worst. Uh, you know, it's just, yeah, you know, the, the equation gets a little bit messed up when, when you have an airborne infection. <laughs> well, that's true, too. That's, that's true. true, yeah. That's where the dragon comes in. Exactly. Right. Get above it all. Yeah, fly above it all. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Like, you know, what What species can we exploit as a non-fossil <laughs> transportation service? We should have a public donkey system, right? It's <laughs> a good idea. Yeah. You know, no to I cars, mean, yes to donkeys. <clears throat> right. Yeah, no. So, something like that. <laughs> awesome. Okay. I think we should call that a day. Um, okay. Yeah. Great. Thank you hey, well, very much. Thanks so much for, for inviting me and, and, and listening to what I had to say. Oh, um, absolutely. Thank you for your time. 